last few weeks have really been encouraging you because, listen, maybe you don't understand this. Maybe I've got this revelation, or maybe it's just me, or maybe I'm behind where you guys are at. But all I know is the world is not clamoring to get through the church doors. And some of the folks that are coming through the church doors have harmful intentions, unfortunately. But listen, we need to be advancing the kingdom of God in our region. And what does that mean? That means you are going to have to do something. There is no one person or a knight in shining armor that's going to blow in here and give you a message and wrap all this up and make it all good, except when Jesus shows up, then it's all done. Any day would be okay with me. You know, my, my daughter has a little bit of a problem with that with me. She'd like to, you know, get married and have a kid or two and, you know, before Jesus sums it up. But, and I'm like, I'd like that to happen before that. You know, it's my daughter. Before that, you know, boyfriends and all that kind of stuff. You can take us out of here, you know. It's okay. Praise God. Well, listen, I want to talk to you. And I have talked about some of this before. I've hit it different times. I want to pull it all together today. And, and these are, are tips. These aren't... Written in stone, you may have your own. But there's seven things the Lord showed me. Seven tips to effective evangelism, or if you want to, to evangelize in the world we live in today. Because I'm going to tell you something. So many times we think that an evangelist comes in and we have an evangelistic meetings and that's where people are all going to get saved. We are missing the boat. I could bring in, I could bring in Billy Graham when he was, I could have brought him in here. They're not going to come clamoring here because guess what? It's going to take people to go out there and reach people. Whether you like that or don't like that, I'm going to give you seven tips that will help you because this is something that every Christian on the planet should be and can be doing. I'm going to take all the fear out of this evangelism stuff or this witnessing stuff because one of the things that we do is if, if I'm standing up here and I say, hey, you need to be a witness where you're at work. You need to be telling people about Jesus. The first image that pops into most people's head is you've got your Bible out and you've got some poor co-worker stuck in the corner and you're just giving them the Bible. And you're like, well, I can't do that. So if you've already decided you can't do it, guess what? You're not going to do it. Or if I say, hey, we need to go out in the community. We need to be a witness. A lot of times people get this image. I mean, I've got to be on the sidewalk. I've got to hand out a track. Tracks can be very effective. But people say, well, that, and I'm not going to do that. So when you say I can't do that, you're not going to do that. But I'm going to give you seven, ki- seven keys. And I'm going to start in Acts chapter 8, in verse 1. And it says, let me get there. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. Here we go. It says, It says, Now Saul was cons- uh, consenting to his death. Stephen had just been stoned to death. Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, the apostle, was consenting to his death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Now, I want you to make a note of that. They were at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered, these Christians, throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Make note of that, Samaria and Judea, except the apostles. So great persecution arose, and a lot of times we think great persecution were escaping, but what were they doing while they were escaping? They were preaching the gospel. Listen. If you don't understand it yet, as a Christian, you're under persecution. Now, we may not have, we personally may not have known anybody that has died for the gospel. There's people all over the world that are today dying for the gospel. You know? And, you know, I'm sorry to tell you, but it's coming to a place near you soon. You are the problem, folks, you Christians. If you just shut up, sit down, and go away, life would be better for everybody. That's what the enemy's trying to convince people. 
He is. All right? But I don't know about you, but where else are you going to go? And so in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, this, they, they scattered. Now, in verses 6 through 8, the great things began to happen in Samaria. Let me, let me read this. And the multitudes now, therefore, those were scattered, went everywhere. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing miracles which he did. Hearing and seeing. Listen, I may be a little bit slow on the uptake here, but I believe that we are coming into a season or a time where people are going to begin to see those miracles. Again, we're all believing for it. We're all, we all want to see the power of God to manifest. Well, listen, the power of God is in us. We just got to let him out. And we're going to see these manifestations. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that we're going to see these things. I, I want to hear the testimony about the miracles and the, and the healings and all of those things. But you don't have to wait for somebody to come and lay hands on you the power of the healing is in you because it's the Holy Spirit is in you and it raised Christ from the dead. The same dwells in you. And guess what? Healing is a gift of the Holy Spirit that's already in you. That's my short, fast version of the healing. Okay? Now, what do we use scriptures for? We use scriptures to encourage ourselves, to encourage ourselves because faith comes by hearing. Hearing those scriptures in your own ears, building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit so that, you know what? Those things can manifest. We all wait around, remembering that the enemy is already defeated, but we all wait around waiting for some great thing to happen or some great anointed person to come to us. You're that person. Is the Holy Spirit in you? Are you born again? If you confess Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit's in you, guess what? You've got access to all them tools. Get them. Use them. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now. Samaria, I want you to understand something. And I'm going to get back to remember Jerusalem, remember Samaria, and later on remember Ethiopia, because I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Great things were happening. Miracles were happening. Unclean spirits were coming out. Um, many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. When God starts moving, there bring, that brings joy. You guys, the worship today, and the pe- all you people here, I came in here, and I was kind of dragging, I got to tell you, but man, you got, the Holy Spirit brought me such joy just by seeing, just that little act that you did. I'm like, thank God we're not alone. You know? And not that we always feel alone, but you all have those times in your life where you feel like, God, is there anybody for us? Because the people that are against us, they're loud. <laughs> yeah. And they, they got, you know, and they're, they're not afraid to tell you, you know? And so it's just, thank you. It was an encouragement. Thank you, guys. Just a little chat this morning. I'm like, I'm good to go again. Praise God. And so here's what happened. I'm going to give you an overview. In verses 9 through 25, here's what happens. I'm going to start in verse 25. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many of the villages of, of the Samaritans. Now, here's where I want to start in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Now, my first point of this whole thing is, if an angel shows up, how many of you think that you would probably obey if the angel said, Hey, go do this? Probably after you crawled out from under your bed. You know, you would probably say, Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. All right. 
But here's the thing, is I want you to show you something. Philip, there was great persecution going on. Philip, an angel of the Lord shows up and tells Philip to go down to this desert. If you understand Jerusalem and going down to Gaza, there's nothing there. There was nothing there. This is a guy who was just in Samaria. Revival was taking place. They're in Jerusalem. Revival's taking place. He's saying, God, you want me to go where? To the desert? There's no pulpit. There's no ministry of helps. There's no people. There's nothing. Things are going great here. Look what you cost. I need to stay right here and do this. This is so the Lord. Because this is what the Lord does. If you don't believe me, ask Mary when you get to heaven. She's minding her own business, going to get some water. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit shows up and says, hey! The angel shows up and says, you're going to get pregnant. You're not going to know a man. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to have this kid. You're going to have to navigate that in your culture. And then it's going to be this kid, and he's going to be the savior of the whole world. And you're going to name him Jesus. Well, all right then. And then you think of Moses. Moses, minding his own business, and all of a sudden he sees a burning bush. Changes his life. And poor Noah. Noah, hey, what? It's going to rain. What's rain? Because at that time they didn't know rain. Because the earth was watered by dew or moisture that came up from the ground, not from down. And he says, I want you to build a boat. Great. What's a boat? Oh, okay. You want it how big? Okay. For 120 years, he was faithful to what God had told him to do. Telling people... People don't listen for 120 seconds today, let alone 120 years. Wait a second. I drew through the drive-thru. I didn't have my fries right away. I'm out of here. Faithfulness. And so, that's not it. I'm not even getting to my points yet. That's all just fun stuff. All right? So now look at this. The Lord spoke. Philip went. Now, if you don't want to obey, then you need to... Read, or when you get to heaven, talk to Jonah. Jonah didn't obey, and he went on a fishing trip. Didn't realize he was going to be the bait. All right? So he arose and went, Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was, um, he was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, understand, He'd send him somewhere where there seemed to be nothing. All of a sudden, he sees this eunuch. Now, Ethiopians, the Ethiopian queen, they, the studying, the research I did said she probably converted to Judaism, and she was sending treasures to give an offering at the temple, and he was coming back from the temple at that time, going back to Ethiopia. And he's reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, if you understand what was happening when he was there, Jesus just had been crucified, and he's reading about this guy that had been crucified in the Bible. Okay? So, Philip comes upon him, and I want you to see what it says. The first thing that you've got to understand, and the first thing that we have to do, every one of us can do this, is you have got to immediately obey God. You've got to obey him. And I've got lots of stories, and I'll share today, but I've got one in particular. I'm in North Carolina, and you may have heard this story before, but it was, it was, it was, it was, let me see, it was a heart-spirit-shaking moment for me. I'm in North Carolina, and um, I'm there, and we're doing some meetings, and, and my grandmother, who was in the hospital, and she was dying, and um, I was going to go and pray for her, and, 
And um, there was other people in the hospital, and I went with this senior pastor who I was doing ministry meetings for at their church. And we went and we prayed for my grandmother. Well, down in North Carolina, I mean, in the hospital, they found out, man, there's a preacher praying for people, and we got started getting requests. Hey, come pray for us. Hey, come pray for us. Hey, come. Sure. And so we're praying, and we're going and praying for all these people. And one gal, she had cancer. So we're praying for her, and we believe in God for her healing. And, and then we got to the next one, and she wasn't doing well, and she didn't, they, didn't, they said she didn't have long to live, and we were praying for her. And, and the pastor that I was with was praying with this gal, and I don't know if he knew her. It seemed like he must have known her. And the way he was praying with her, it was praying with her kind of like she knew the Lord. Have you ever done that? You kind of pray, and they kind of, you know, kind of figure they know the Lord. And, and I'm sitting here, and I'm listening to him, and, and the Lord kind of nudged me and says, ask her about her salvation. And I'm like, but Lord, there's a senior pastor here, you know, and they're praying with them, and they got it. They're going on, and it, I think, that, you know, and, and so, you know, I said, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to defer to the senior pastor here. Well, the next day, um, you know, nothing, and we went back a couple days later to see my, my, um, to see my grandmother. Well, the one lady with cancer we had prayed for, it, a miracle. She was healed. Completely, t- it was a miracle, all right? Well, the other lady died. I do not know. I don't know. The Lord knows. Maybe that other pastor knew. Pastor Scott Hester does not know that he knows that he knows that that lady is in heaven. Now, my prayer is, has always been, God, please, let this just been a lesson for me that it didn't cost somebody their eternity. From that day forward, it was like, if I get a nudge, I, um, here it is. I'm going to put it out there, whatever that means. That's a horrible, 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 horrible feeling. The first key for effective evangelism, you just got to obey God. He knows better than you. And when I get done, people, you're going to find out. The most time people don't want to reach out or give a testimony or talk to somebody about the Lord because they're afraid of rejection. I'll say this again later. People are only one of four places in their life. They're either in a place where you have to plow, a place where you can plant, a place where you're watering, or a place of harvest. Never, ever walk away from an encounter with anybody where you have sowed the seed of the gospel in their life thinking that you failed even if they reject you. Maybe you're plowing. If you're not plowing, it can't be planted. God uses you. Every area. So I used to feel like, oh, that was useless and it didn't work. No, it does work. Because the word of God will not return void. So it's not about you anyway. We need to get over ourselves. I need to get over me. It's not about me. When I'm witnessing to somebody, it is not about me and how they feel about me, what they think about me. doesn't matter. It's about that word, that seed getting in there. And we can all do that. Just obey God. So he's returning. He's sitting in the chariot, reading the Isaiah. Now, I want you to understand, in America, most people know something about God or the Bible or something spiritual. So the way you evangelize may be a little bit different. Do you know, the way we used to evangelize in, in foreign countries, we really messed that up. We used to go to foreign countries and try to Americanize them to the, uh, you know, our way of thinking. I remember I was in Africa with a preacher one time, and he's preaching, and a great guy, and I'm not slamming him or anything. He starts using some kind of an example about having prosperity in a, in a, in a Rolex watch, and you got a bunch of Africans looking and say, what the heck is a Rolex? 
I don't even know what a watch. What is a watch? Yeah, we know what a watch. A Rolex. What's that? And he's talking about believing for this plane and blah blah blah. And, and they're like, huh? My 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 goat's sick. Can you pray for that? Okay. And so what, what have we done? We've kind of changed things. What we do now, we go in, we evangelize, get them born again, teach them the gospel, allow them to go in and work with their country's people or their region because they know the culture and how to infiltrate that. Guess what we need to do right here in America? Listen, when, 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 the, when we were praying about taking this church, I called Dr. Barker and he said, hey, you got anybody that you want to send up here? Could you send up here? And he said, he said, uh, where? I said to the UP. Uh, no, that's a different world, man. He says, that's your culture. He said, that's your job. I'm like, well, thank you very much. And we answered that call. But there's, a, there's truth in that. There's truth in that. Okay? Listen, we come to church and we wear jeans and we're, we're comfortable. Some churches, that's to frown upon. This is the Eastern Upper Peninsula. You might see somebody coming in here on February 15th and blaze orange right out of the woods. I'm cool with that. You know, it's all right. So he's returning the spirit. Now listen to this. Now in verse 29, then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. This time it wasn't an angel. It was the spirit of God. The same spirit that's in you. You know, you need to obey that little thing in there. It says, go near and overtake this chariot. Now, I want you to think about this. I don't know what they called them in those days, ephods, dresses, whatever they were wearing. But think about it. He's in the desert. It's hot. It's dry. He's probably thirsty. Now you want me to run and catch up with this chariot? So he had to hike up his dress and his sandals and take off and run it. Guess what? The Lord may ask you to do something that you feel foolish about. <sighs> I don't want to do that. But see, we talk about, we want to see miracles. Let me tell you something. When three bags of groceries shows up on somebody's doorstep, when all of a sudden a bill gets paid unexpectedly by someone else, then all of a sudden you put an arm around somebody, all of a sudden you make a phone call to somebody, that is their miracle. But it didn't happen in the church, it didn't happen at the altar. Get over it. You're the church. Wherever you are, there's an altar. Yeah, I'll get to you. Hold on. I'm on a roll. <laughs> so Philip ran to him. He heard him reading a prophet Isaiah. All right, so the first one is immediate obedience. Guess where Philip went? Number two. The number two point I'm trying to make, you have to go to where they are. I'm going to make a statement that my son made to me. It was profound. He was a little aggravated with a Christian. <laughs> surprise, surprise. No, he's a Christian, but he was aggravated. And he made this statement to me. We've got to go to where they are. Now, listen to this. If we are supposed to be light to the darkness, how effective is the light if it stays in the light? I'll stay right here in my little shiny place with all the other little lights, and we won't affect the darkness at all. Come on. We've got the light. Let her shine. Guess what? You know, so, I, so what if you wind up in a place where there's just evil people? You mean darkness? Well, golly wally. I'm going to tell you something. And 
you can judge me or you can not judge me. I don't care. I had a meeting. Somebody called me needed to meet. They wanted to meet at the, at the Sundown Lounge in Pickford. It's a restaurant bar. I wasn't in there drinking. But I had this meeting, and there was a gal that knows me that works there. Came to me and said, listen, my, my boyfriend is, is having all these problems. I think he's had so many strokes and this and that. Could you pray? I said, you're darn tootin' I can pray. So I stood up at the table with this other person. We laid hands on her, and we prayed right there. People watching. I did not care. Now, let me tell you something, and, and, and this isn't about me, but if the light wasn't there, then that person wouldn't have gotten touched by the Lord that day. I'm not saying go into the bar and have a six-pack with them, but I'm telling you, guess what? We're the light. And you might have to go to some dark places sometimes to rescue people. Jesus came out of the brightest place ever to this place. It's a good thing I wasn't Jesus. I'd have refused to come. No, I'm not leaving paradise. Come here for them. Ungrateful. So go to where they are, okay? Don't sit and hope that they're going to walk through this door. Most people come to church because they follow someone else here. That's really the truth. Now, every once in a while, somebody will put the wheel of pages. Well, I just saw your sign, and I'll just bop in and see what's happening. Most of the time, people come through a relationship with someone else that's already here. That's why you've got to be a good witness all the time in your talk and in your walk and in your actions. All right. We like that one? Let me move on quickly. Go to where they're at. Now, notice Philip ran and came beside the chariot. You have got to come alongside people. If you, if you lord over them, if you get in front of them and try to pull them or you get behind them and try to push them, it's not going to work. They have to know that you're with them. Because, listen, I have done this in my own life. I get a hold of somebody and instead of just planting a seed, man, I load up the whole, I dump the whole truck on them. I'll never forget this friend of mine. I got born again when I was born. Well, I'm still fired up. When I got born again, everybody, I thought everybody I know was going to get saved. Everybody. And I went to this friend of mine's house and I said, you need Jesus. You need to be born again. And we talked for three hours. We talked. For three hours, I talked. <laughs> and I told him everything I knew about everything. And I didn't really recognize the glaze in his eyes and the drool running down his cheek. Three hours later, he's like, what do I got to do, man? I said, you got to accept Jesus. You say this prayer. He says, I'll do anything to get you out of my house. <laughs> See, prayed that prayer, and I'm like, woo, yeah, another for the kingdom. I'll be there tomorrow to pick you up for church. I showed up the next day, and I'm all excited, and I'm banging on the door. Bing, 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 bing. His car's there. I know he's home. Nobody's answering. So I go to the windows, man. I'm bang, bang, bang. Well, he's got the blinds down. Out of this little blind, I see, I see an eyeball. And he sees me, and the eyeball goes, click. And he wouldn't come to the door. Why? I didn't plant a seed. Listen, come alongside. Man, I dumped everything I possibly knew, and he was so overwhelmed, he didn't know what to do. He was saying a prayer to get me out of his house. And then for months, I would see him, and boom, he'd take off, man. I'd wave at him. He'd like, yeah, I see you. Eventually, though, 10 years later, he's born again, man. He's in the kingdom. 
Come alongside people. People do much better if they know that you're with them. Not lording over them. Now look at this. In verse 30, the second part of verse 30, it says, Do you understand what you're reading? Here's my fourth point. Find out where people are at. Listen. If, let me find, okay, I'll use these two. Just for CD purposes. Gary and Kelly Melport, they have a great marriage. All right, understand. If they come to me and say, hey, pastor, we're having a little struggle in our marriage. You know, can you meet with us? Yep, and I meet with them. Hey, I've got this great book on tongues and interpretations of tongues. Here, take this, read it. It's the Bible, and the truth will make you free. That's a great truth, but it's not the right answer. That's not the question they had. See, find out where people are at. Philip, if you notice, reading on, Philip started exactly where the eunuch was, right at that scripture. Okay? We've got to find out where people are at because what we tend to do is we tend to say, well, I see where you're at. This is where I'm at. You need to come up to where I'm at, and this is how you go about getting there, and we give them all these things they should do. I'm going to tell you something. I nor you are anybody's God. We're not their Lord. We need to point them to the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to do His work. He can do more that quick than we can do in hours and hours and hours and days and days and days and days. Find out where people are at. And then he says in verse 31, now look at this. How can I? He asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He asked, Philip asked him a question. The eunuch said, how can I unless somebody guides me? Listen, we're going to have to guide them. Now, discipleship is not lordship. You're not their lord. You can help them. You can guide them. You can give them the word. Sometimes you can correct them lovingly and, and depending on where they're at. Now, see, I was easy. When I got born again, I was just going to do so everything right. Correct me. Fix me. Whatever I got to do, I'll do it. I don't care. I wasn't offended. I mean, I got corrected hard sometimes because I was a knothead. Didn't, affect, didn't offend me. Why? Because I want to be the best Christian I know how to be. And so, he said, not to be the Lord, but disciple them in the things of the Lord. Because ultimately, ultimately, this is the same thing with healing. Ultimately, you are going to have to, at some point in your life, stand and do this walk of faith on your own. We can support you. We can get, it's the same thing with healing. You've got to get to a place where you understand how to, that you can walk in healing You have to have somebody always come to pray for you for healing. Now, I don't mind praying. People don't mind praying. But wouldn't it be great to understand how to, that, all that to manifest in your own life? Because ultimately, at some point, we can disciple you. At some point, when you lay your head on that pillow, it's you and the Lord, and you've got to walk out your own salvation. And hey, we'll lay hands on you, we'll believe with you, and we will do all we can do, but boy, wouldn't it be great if you just got this revelation of your own and said, woo, I know how to defeat the enemy when sickness comes. I know what to do when disease comes. Praise God, I'm going to overcome this, now let me show you how to overcome it. See, now, you got to find out where they're at. And he asked 
Philip to come up. Now, this is a very important point. He asked Philip to come up and sit with him. He was invited into his life. Don't just kick the door down in somebody's life and think you have some kind of authority to tell them anything. It's much better when you are invited into their lives. Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, can you pray for me about this? Because I truly believe anytime you have a conversation with someone, if you truly listen, if you truly listen, you'll get an opportunity. And look at this. Here's what it says in verse 32. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear, shear is silent, so he opened his mouth, not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? The eunuch asked him a question, invited him into his life. The fifth point, listen to what people are saying. Listen. I have had to really work hard at learning this. Because for whatever reason, God gave me the gift of blab. And anybody that's ever been to lunch with me knows. You know, my wife helps me because when she's with me, we were just with a young couple the other night. And man, I'm all excited. I'm talking about the Lord under the table. You know, I feel her tugging my thing. Like, what? What? Take a breath. Let them talk. Oh. Because I go on for three hours and just talk and talk and talk and talk because I'm excited about everything. You know? But sometimes what happens is we only partially hear what they're going to say. We don't hear. If, and I truly believe if we truly listen to what they're saying, the Lord will give us an insight of where to meet them and what to say and how to minister to the root cause, not just the leaves that they're showing. But you've got to listen. And too many times, and I'm not saying it's arrogance, but in our whatever it is in our life, somebody says, well, you know Pastor, I really think, yes, I think this is you do. Blah, 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 blah. Down you go, your list. Blah, blah, blah. There you go. Now go do that and you're all right. I haven't really heard. You know, that would be like, like your kids. I told my son one time, well, I'll use my brother as an example. We were working at a construction site and we were in North Carolina working. And down there they've got these things called BC powder donuts. But they've also got this thing called BZ powder. It's an aspirin. It's BZ powder. It's an aspirin powder. That, that people take in a powder form of an aspirin. Well, the guy says, hey, I like some BC powder. My brother says, yeah, I've got it, no problem. And the guy's saying, yeah, because I've got this massive, but my brother didn't hear any of that. All he hears is BC powder. So my brother comes back, and the guy says, and I want a Coke. Now, we're in North Carolina. We're working construction. We're doing a roof. It's 105 degrees. My brother brings back a Coke. It doesn't have any ice in it. My brother says, well, it takes more room if you use ice. I'm like, look, ding dong. But he comes back with powdered donuts. The guy's saying, how does that help my headache? He said, well, I never knew you had a headache. It's because he didn't hear. He didn't listen to what was being said. I don't know if that's ever happened with your kids. I need you to do this, and I need you to do this, and I need you to do this. Now repeat it back to me. Okay, you've got it. Yeah, but I, why didn't you do that? I didn't hear you. I didn't hear that. We have got to listen because if we listen, I truly believe God will give us some insight. And then the Holy Spirit has something to work with. Listen to what people are saying. We talk too much and we listen too little. Let me, let me challenge you. 
How many of you go in your prayer closet and you have a litany of, whoosh, you talk for 15 or 20 minutes and then you say amen and you leave? And God's saying, yeah, I, yeah, but I, uh. okay, bless you. Didn't hear a thing. Sometimes it's really hard to just go say, Lord, speak to me. I've got laundry to do. What do I want to do for supper tonight? Oh, and the kids. And I really got my eye on that new set of nails, ladies. Instead of just focusing on the Lord. And, and I'm not talking, you got to spend an hour. But we need to, we talk too much and we listen too little. Isn't it amazing to me that people make $150 an hour and they don't say a word? They just say, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me how you feel. Well, that was great for today. $150. Ding. Next. I wonder, maybe, no. I was going to say, well, maybe, maybe in my office, $150, I'll listen. Philip opened his mouth. Now listen, in beginning at the scripture verse, preach Jesus to him. Number six, he, he started at the scripture. He met that person at their level. Not everybody is at your spiritual level. You've got to meet them right where they are at. Because if you try to bring them up to where you are, you're going to overwhelm them. Meet them where they're at. If their faith is... Listen, I need somebody to pray for me for healing. If that's where their faith is, then by God, lay hands on them and believe like the Bible says in Mark 16, they'll be free, they'll be healed. Wherever they are at, that's where we have to meet them. You can't bring them up here. Listen, I don't know how many kids that six months old, you say, all right, you're six months or eight months or say a year. You're walking now. You got a full set of teeth. Go get a job, drive a car, and, you know, go make a living. They're not there yet. You got to meet them at their level. You know, at one year old, I still didn't have the binky out of my mouth. I wasn't ready. Meet people at their level. And now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all their heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And then if you read on, then all of a sudden Philip was translated to a whole other city. And I'm still waiting for that. Forget air travel. Like, Lord, I need to be here. Whoosh, gone. But my point here is, look at what it says. If you believe with all your heart. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died, rose again, died, rose again three days later, he's at the right hand of the Father, you are born again. It's that simple. Don't make it complicated by, well, if you do this, and then you better do that, and if I don't see you acting like this, then okay, God. Be careful. So what do we do? The seventh key or the seventh tip, always Always, always, and this is hard for sometimes for us as Christians. Point them to Jesus by the direction of the Holy Spirit. Not your doctrine. Not your pet thing. Not your favorite scripture verse, unless it'll help them. I mean, obviously give them some, some word. You want to do that. Point them to Jesus. His goodness, his love, his mercy, 
His grace. All the things that God can do. Point them to that. Give them the word. Show them the word. Feed them the word. Let them get revelation of the word. Because, you know, it's funny. Because we are in this remote, remote village in Mexico. And I was preaching and I said, well, how many of you have ever had flan? Flan. Flan. It's a, is it, what is it? A, is it like a custard? Yeah. A, a Spanish is a Spanish thing. They make that because um, Anna makes it. Okay. How many have never had flan? Yeah. Now, I could explain to you what flan looks like. I could explain to you what I think it tastes like. I can explain to you the texture of it. But you will never have the revelation of what flan is until you taste it. When we give them the word of God, the Holy Spirit has to bring that revelation to them. No matter what you tell them or how you tell them to do it, if the Holy Spirit doesn't give them that revelation, they're not going to get it. So beating them with it isn't the answer. Serve it to them. And then allow the Holy Spirit to deal with them and help them. Because listen, when I first got born again, man, I was all fired up. I loved God with all my heart, but there were some things in my life that, eh. Like I had this keychain. I'll never forget, I had this keychain and it had, it had on it, I suffer from CRS. Can't remember stuff. All right? Now, that's not something that a Christian needs to be riding around with. Well, you know, but nobody said, you know what, bless God, you got bumper stickers on your car, you're born again, get rid of that, get rid of that, blah, 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 blah. No, you know what happened? One day I stepped in my car and there was, a, there was a keychain sitting in my seat that said, Jesus loves you. And I looked at that and I said, wow, that's cool, let me replace. And I looked at that one and said, oh, I get it. But there wasn't somebody saying, you know what? I'm taking apart everything in your life. You're born again now, you should be perfect. Please, I have been born again for 30 years. I've been in the ministry for 30 years, born again for 32 years. And I'm still not perfect. I still suffer from things sometimes. But in the, the bumper stickers, they didn't immediately come and say, peel all that off. They did suggest, hey, you know, now you're a Christian. One thing they didn't say, they said, now that you're born again, you may want to consider, and they didn't demand, but consider who you're hanging out with, because people may take you down the wrong road and back, you know. They didn't forbid me. But you know what I did in my arrogance? Bless God, nobody tell me who my friends are. And I went and sat, and this is the last testimony. I'm going to let you go, I promise. I went to this friend of mine's house, and I sat there. And, and I was talking to him, and, and they got into some stuff that, you know, talking and stuff that, as a Christian, I shouldn't have been doing. But I was a baby Christian. I didn't know. And nobody beat me up over that. But the Holy Spirit has a way. The next day I went, I went back that night and I'm laying in bed and I, and I just happened to be reading um, Frank Peretti's Piercing the Darkness. Have you ever read that? It, it, it's, it's a, anyway, it's, it's pretty cool. And so I closed my eyes. And when I closed my eyes, I had a flashback picture of that room that I was sitting in in the living room with these friends of mine that, you know, that, you know, I was kind of said, they didn't say stay away from me. They said, you got to be careful now because... And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, when I closed my eyes, there was a flashback to that scene. I saw the coach. I saw where they were sitting. I saw where I was sitting. And I saw every demon in the room. I was like, oh, scared the life out of me. I thought, I understand what you're saying now. I understand what you're saying. I know what you mean by influence. I get it. I understand. I understand. Now, it wasn't that I shunned these friends, but I had to be careful now the influence that they weren't taking me back to where I was going. I got again. 
And I had an opportunity to go back to college with a graduate assistantship. If I had gone back to college, I would not be standing here today because I wasn't strong enough to go face where I was, the things I was doing in college before. So what God did, he protected me. He gave me a wife. Because remember, we had a prophecy over me one time. I was so proud of it. Prophecy says, Scout, you're like this big prize-winning buck, big old rack, walking through the forest, all chest stuck out, doing good. I'm like, yeah. I like that. My wife's with me. I'm saying, you hearing that, honey? Prize-winning buck. I'm going to be great in the kingdom. And he goes to my wife and he says, and here's this sweet little doe, just quiet and gentle. And you need to listen to her because she's going to lead you through the woods so you don't get your head shot off. <laughs> I went from... Uh, <laughs> praise God. We need to point them to Jesus by the direction of the Holy Spirit. And listen, there's going to come a time where you're going to be able, you're going to, be able to bring correction to their lives. Do it in love, do it gently, and do it by the direction of the Holy Spirit. Not because this is what you think they should be doing. It'll help their life, sure. But how you do it, it's how you present it. Come alongside them. And look where all of this happened. This didn't happen in the synagogue, folk. This happened in the desert. It happened out there. Every one of us can do this. Out there. Just If you, don't, if you can't do it, just ask God to give you a heart for people. And see how it will change your life. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for the folks here today. We ask, Lord, that through this message, Lord, people got revelation. Lord, that, that people all of a sudden realized, hey, I can do those things that he's talking about. I don't have to be something. I just have to be a Christian and in you, Lord. And Lord, as we, as we break today, as we leave today, I pray over the food. I ask for your blessings upon it. Bless the hands that prepared it as we partake together. In, in unity and communion today. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, Davine.